Today we're going to focus on the Torah portion, Beshalach. And among the many lessons that are in these chapters, I would like to share two with you this morning. First, God will surely come. And second, we need to hear from the Lord like Moses did. Let's begin with number one. God will surely come. Our Parsha begins by alluding to a promise that the Lord gave to Abraham more than 400 years before the time of Moses. We are told in Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 through 15, Adonai said to Avram, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. In the very last chapter of the book of Breshit, Genesis, we are told about how Joseph reminded his brothers of what would happen in the future. Joseph says to his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, verses 24 through 25, he says, I am about to die, but God will surely come. Pakod, Yivkod, Elohim, God will surely come and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, Pakod, Yivkod, Elohim, God will surely come. And then you must carry my bones up from this place. The children of Jacob, otherwise known as Jake's kids, entered Egypt on the 14th day of Aviv, or Nisan, to live with Joseph in the land of Goshen. And 430 years later, on that exact day, the 14th day of Aviv, Nisan, they left Egypt in fulfillment of the Lord's prophecy to Abraham. We are told in today's Parsha, in today's Torah portion, in Exodus chapter 13, verse 19, the passage that Harumi read, that as they were leaving Egypt in haste, Moses took the bones of Joseph, Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He had said, Pakod, Yifkod, Elohim, everyone together, God will surely come. And then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. This passage tells us that Israel had not forgotten God's promise to Abraham. For 430 years, the memory of this promise had been passed down from generation to generation, Lidor Vador. For four centuries, 
the Israelites had been waiting for the Lord to come. They had been waiting for Hashem to rescue them. And it seems that the memory of Joseph's words, Pakod, Yivkod, Elohim, God will surely come, rang in their hearts. Sometimes in life, we have to wait a long time to see God's intervention in a situation. After putting it into God's hands, our responsibility is to persevere knowing that Hashem has heard our prayers and that in His timing, He will act and act definitively. I have met many wives who have told me that they prayed for years that their husbands would come to know the Lord. Usually the story goes like this. For years, I tried to make it happen by my own efforts. I would nudge him to come to service. I would leave literature around the house for him to read, even in the bathroom. But none of this worked. Eventually, I gave up doing this, and I put it in God's hands. I continued to faithfully pray for my husband, and then one day the Lord intervened and took hold of his life. When Harumi and I were at Rachel Gleeby's wedding, a lady came up to us and shared a story just like this with us. A number of years back, they were living in Japan. One day, her Jewish husband came home and said to her, Honey, I think you should sit down because I have something I need to tell you. Because he was so serious, she, she thought that something terrible must have happened. So they sat down, and then this husband of hers said to her, God spoke to me while I was riding on the subway, and now I know that Yeshua is the Messiah. She couldn't believe it. The Lord heard her prayers and visited her husband while he was riding on the Japanese subway. After all those years of praying, do you have a situation where you want to see the Lord intervene in your life? Maybe there is an area where you've been struggling with, and you need the Lord's help to overcome it. After we pray and give it up to the Lord, let's remember Joseph's words, Pakod, Yifkod, Elohim, God will surely come. Let's all say that together, if we can keep that uh, slide up. Pakod, Yifkod, Elohim. One more time. Pakod, Yifkod, Elohim. And in English, God will surely come. After we say this, then our job is to wait on the Lord, no matter how long it takes. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, wait for Adonai, be strong and take heart, and wait for Adonai. Proverbs 20 verse 22 says, do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for Adonai, and he will deliver you. Isaiah 30 verse 18 says, Ashrei kol chokhe lo, blessed are all 
who wait for him. A few years ago, I shared about Mrs. Ozaki, an amazing elderly lady whom I lived with when I was a seminary student in Japan. Let's put up the first picture. That's uh, me when I had hair. <laughs> At that time, Mrs. Ozaki, who's on the far right in the back, was 80 years old. She was a spiritual powerhouse, which is why people called her Kazanchan, which in Japanese means little volcano. She was honored and respected by everyone, but she thought of herself like a weaned child before the Lord, completely dependent on him. Let's put up the second picture of Mrs. Ozaki. Kyoto is considered by many to be the most beautiful city in Japan, especially when the sakura, the cherry blossom trees, are in bloom. At night in the spring, Mrs. Ozaki's 60-year-old daughter, Fumiko, let's uh, put up a picture of Fumiko, that was her daughter, would play the koto next to the big sakura tree in the garden, which was decorated with lights. This is what it looked like. And I would marvel at the incredible beauty of it all. I took walks almost every day with Mrs. Ozaki in the neighborhood. All of the neighbors we met along the way would greet Mrs. Ozaki with a smile and a bow. That is all except one. Whenever we approached this one neighbor's house, he would hurry inside. One day, I asked Mrs. Ozaki why that neighbor avoided her. Mrs. Ozaki reached into her cabinet and took out a long piece of paper that she unrolled on the table in front of me. On this piece of paper were rows of names, the names of all the people in her neighborhood. There were over a hundred names, and there was a mark next to every one except one. Pointing to that name, Mrs. Ozaki said, this is the neighbor who runs inside. Over the past 50 years, I have led them all to the Lord, except him. Then I understood why I saw so many of Mrs. Ozaki's neighbors in the church. Through prayer, hospitality, sharing the Besorah, the good news of Yeshua in word and deed, and patiently waiting on the Lord for 50 years, she had led her entire neighborhood to a living relationship with the God of Israel, except for this one Japanese man, one holdout. He was the only one left, and that's why he avoided her. Sometimes we have to pray and wait on the Lord for years to see him intervene in a situation and turn around that situation. Let us remember Joseph's words, pakod, Yivkod Elohim. Let's all say it again. Pakod Yivkod Elohim. One more time. Pakod Yivkod Elohim. And in English, God will surely come. And this brings us to a second lesson we discover in our Torah portion today. And that is 
that we need to hear from the Lord like Moses did. In Exodus chapter 14, the Israelites were in a crisis situation where there was nothing they could do in their own strength to resolve it. In front of them was the Yam Suf, the Red Sea, which was too deep to cross on foot. Behind them were Pharaoh and his armies with, with horses and chariots quickly gaining on them to attack. How did the Israelites respond in this situation? The Scriptures tell us that they started grumbling against Moses for leading them out of Egypt. Then Moses responds to all this complaining with the following words in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. He says, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance Adonai will bring you today. How could Moses say this? What did he know that the Israelites didn't know? Were these just empty words? Or did he have something to back them up with? My brothers and sisters, they were not empty words. Moses was able to say this to the people because the Lord had spoken to him. We are told back in Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, Then Adonai said to Moshe, to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hachirot, between Migdol and the sea. They are to camp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am Adonai. Moses was able to give hope to the people during this crisis because he, Moses, heard the Lord speak to him. Are any of us here today in a situation where we need to hear from the Lord about something? If so, how can we hear clearly from him as Moses did? I would like to suggest that there are three primary ways that we hear from the Lord. The first way the Lord speaks to us is through His still, small voice within us. We are told in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 12, Adonai said to Eliahu, to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of Adonai, for Adonai is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before Adonai. But Adonai was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but Adonai was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but Adonai was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, a coal demama daka. Sometimes the voice of the Lord speaks to us 
through a kol demama daka, a gentle whisper. This seems to be how the Lord spoke to Moses when he was in this crisis situation. A second way that the Lord speaks to us is through his scriptures. That is why the Bible is called God's Word. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God speaks to us through his living words in the Bible. Sometimes they almost seem to jump off the page into our hearts, as I shared the other week. And the more we internalize his word and meditate on his word, the more we open the Bible and study it and process it like the Bereans and allow it to come inside of us, the more we find that the Lord speaks to us through his word. Because the scriptures are written down, they also serve as an objective standard of Adonai's will for our faith and for our life. If the gentle whisper we are hearing in our spirit contradicts what the Bible says, then that gentle whisper is not from God, but from a different source, perhaps the flesh or perhaps from the adversary. The more we read, study, and meditate on the Bible, the more we are able to recognize God's voice and differentiate between the inner voice of the Spirit and our own thoughts. One Bible teacher put it this way, quote, I read the Bible not only for instruction, but also for tuning. Let me explain what I mean. Piano tuners use a small steel two-pronged tuning fork. When struck, it vibrates at a fixed constant known rate making the musical tone of a certain pitch. Any piano keys that have slipped out of tune can be adjusted according to the true and unchanging pitch of the tuning fork. Its pitch is constant. As we read and study God's Word, our spiritual ears learn to listen for the same tone. As we stay in pitch with the Spirit, Voices or messages containing any mixture of error or deception sound off-key to us. When compared with the fixed, constant tone of the Word of God, those, mes those messages register in our spirits as sharp or flat. John recorded these words of Yeshua, when, quote, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. John chapter 16, verse 13. 
Then in John chapter 17, verse 17, Messiah said, quote, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As we read the word of God, this Bible teacher continues to say, it sanctifies us and keeps our spiritual ears tuned to the truth. But if we neglect God's word, we will be tone deaf and dull of hearing, unquote. A third way that the Lord speaks to us is through people and circumstances in our lives. Hashem may speak to us through a friend or a family member, a leader, or a member in our congregation, or through a divine appointment, perhaps someone we meet on the bus, or a person who sits next to us on the plane. The Lord can even speak to us through a donkey. God can speak to us by opening a door or closing it. He can even speak to us through putting a poster on a door. When I was an undergraduate student at Sofia University in Tokyo, during my second semester, I applied to stay at the university dormitory. There were several rooms that had opened up, so I prayed to the Lord and asked Him to show me a sign that made it clear to me where He wanted me to be living. I visited the first room, and it was okay. Then I visited the second room, and that was okay too. But nothing hit me in either of those places that either of those rooms was where the Lord wanted me to be living. Then I was brought to the third dorm room, and there on the door was a sign, literally. On the door of the third room was a giant poster that the previous student had left behind after he um, returned back to the States, a giant poster with a Star of David on it with a cross in the middle. When I saw it, I knew that this was the sign I was looking for. That was where the Lord wanted me to live. And later, I found out why. Because one of my three roommates in the suite was a Jewish student from the United States who did not know Yeshua. Like with a gentle whisper, let us remember that the Scriptures serve as our tuning fork, and that the Lord will never speak to us through a person or circumstance to say something that contradicts His Word. Getting back to Moses in our Torah portion, Beshalach, he likely heard from the Lord through a gentle whisper that Hashem was going to deliver our people from the Egyptian army. That is why Moses could say to the people with all confidence in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 through 14, Moses said, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Adonai will fight for you. You need only be still. Perhaps that is a word from the Lord for someone today. Adonai will fight for you. You need only to be still. If the Israelites had attempted to resolve the situation in their own strength, it is very likely 
that they would have perished in the process. If they had attempted to swim across the Red Sea, they would have drowned. If they had charged at the Egyptians, they would have been killed by Pharaoh's powerful army. Only by not doing anything except trusting in the word of the Lord through Moses did they live and experience God's deliverance. Sometimes the Lord calls us to do the same. Rather than fight something in our own strength, He speaks to us and tells us to step back and allow Him to handle it. Only then can His glory be revealed through the situation. Today we have talked about two important lessons from Parsha Beshalach. These two lessons are, number one, God will surely come. Pakod yivkod Elohim. And second, we need to hear from the Lord like Moses did. And if it is truly from the Lord, it will be consistent with the Scriptures. Let's pray. Let's pray.